Daydreaming About Dragons. And how's it going, daydreamers? There is something that I've, like an idea, a concept about gaming that I've been kind of chasing in my head for a while. So I'm going to see if I can get it on the mic right now. Let's see if we can do it. Here's the idea. The idea is that we play these games inspired by media, right? Inspired by narrative patterns that uh, are familiar to us. We are, we are pattern-collecting creatures, right? If we, if we see, you know, uh, two dots and a line, we'll make a face out of it. And that helps. That helps when people say, you know, oh, how do I make an arc for my game? How do I do a story arc? I always say, don't do a story arc. You know, there are games that do story arcs. That's cool. That might help you. But if, if, you're, if your game system isn't one that does that, don't try to make a story arc. Just let it happen. There will be a moment where you're like, oh, this would be the end of book one. I get it. This would be the end of season one. Or, or this would be where this chapter of this whatever it is ends. This would be the end of the opera. Whatever it is. Whatever is the media that is kind of inspiring your game. Uh, if there is a media inspiring your game. And, th and that's kind of what I want to talk about. We start off there, right? Inspired by this media. And then we get together with a bunch of friends. And we all take our take on it, right? Oh, well, I'm going to play, you know, the, the, the rogue who was a warlock's apprentice and ran away. Cool. I'm the barbarian who, you know, came to civilization uh, because they liked, you know, uh, literate spouses and, and coffee. Great. Uh, I'm going to play the, you know, the young up and coming wizard. Cool. You get all these people together, right? And that creates an uncertainty. Just putting all these creative people together, bouncing off of each other in this, you know, fictional environment that we create, that creates a bit of uncertainty. So there's that. And then we go and we throw dice into it. And then all of a sudden, shit gets real, right? Suddenly there are things happening that we didn't know were going to happen and maybe even didn't want to happen, right? Suddenly in act one, the person who you thought was going to be the head of the campaign takes an arrow to the neck and dies, and, and that's why I, I really say don't fight that. Don't, don't fudge your way out of that. Let it happen. Let the dice and the system and the people and the, all the creativity bouncing around and chaos that all that creates, let that make something new. Right? I mean, D&D &D has become its own genre. It started off kind of, ah, oh, well, what if we did war games, right, with, with, with just, you know, everyone has one figure and we play that one figure. And then it has become something entirely else. And it has become its own genre. And I think that's the fascinating thing about these games. Not that every game is going to become its own genre, but that it has this inherent ability to surprise us. Let me do some examples. Let's do some table examples. Okay, 
Last night is a really, really good example. I was playing Burning Wheel with Sean Nittner. And suddenly, his, char- his character uh, helped his, is an apprentice wizard, helps the wizard who's teaching him summon a, a spirit, right? Very, very normal genre thing. And rather than stay quiet like a good, dutiful apprentice, uh, made, his, made her own deal with the spirit. Again, very much in genre. We're, we're in total normal territory here. It's comfortable. It's cool. I liked it. I'm not saying, oh, this is so cliche, because it didn't feel cliche. It was cool, but I think we're still well within what we see in fantasy novels, right? There's nothing new here, necessarily. But it's still very cool, and I'm still enjoying it. I'm, this is not me knocking it. I don't think just because it's original, it's good. I'm just tracing this path, right? I'm tracing this weird path to, to something weird and new. Uh, and then he killed a bunch of bandits, and then he, I, I, he, he flew away from this one encounter where his character learned some harsh truths about, about their fate. And, he, the, and, and Nara, this character, ran into the village, like flew over the village where the bandits had lived. And that village was the village that his mother had come from years ago. Okay. Interesting. Nara lands, uh, makes a deal, you know, says to the villagers, you shouldn't do banditry. You know, come to the city where I'm going and I'll help you. I'll help you deal with it. And the way Nara dealt with it. So then we have to go back another thing, right? Nara did some singing in an inn. And we had, I had Nara roll to see if she earned any money. And she did. She earned a good deal of money. Uh, she, she sang the right song at the right time and, and the, the inn was packed and people were just throwing coins at her. And she, you know, she, she made a mint, she made an absolute mint, uh, of, of cash. Cool. Love it. Again, all these things just bounce around, right? Me challenging Sean, Sean replying and challenging me. It bounces, it bounces, it bounces. Uh, until we get to this weird game last night that felt felt normal to me, but when I look at it with a genre eye, I don't remember seeing things like this. Uh, I don't remember seeing an apprentice wizard in a genre book helping the villagers that you know that she did some killing in because she made a deal with a spirit, but helping them with money. Like looking at their situation and, and trying to like improve their political and economic situation with, with cold, hard coin. And I think there will be a point where possibly Nara gets involved in you know, who has the rights of what land and, and we get into some, some you know, socio-political, geopolitical stuff. I think that'll be interesting. But right now, it was just really interesting. And again, why is this happening? Well, we're bouncing off things that are happening. We're bouncing off Sean's choices. Sean's choices are bouncing off my world building. My world building are bouncing off Sean's beliefs. Sean's, be- Sean's beliefs are bouncing off the, the, me- the mechanics of the system. The mechanics of the system are, are, you know, are, are bouncing off how we set them up. Right, because I could have set up that singing, uh, 
way back, I could have set up that singing conflict to be really shitty, right? I could have said, well, if you, if you get a success, if you get any successes, people cheer. And if you get any fails, people boo. And instead I said, you know, if you, for every success you get, you'll get a coin of cash die. And because that's a resource, he can, he can spend it. And I said, and for every, you know, and if you fail, then we'll, we'll go, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do if he failed. Uh, we would have figured that out. He might have insulted someone. It might have, been, it might have led to like a bad conflict, right? But it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't need to come up with that because I, it didn't happen. But I just think it's really interesting. A well-set-up conflict helped spur all of this along, right? Four games ago, that conflict helped create this other thing. That helped create this other thing. Bouncing, 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 building, building, snowballing until here we are. Right? And this wizard is talking to a dwarven trader and counting her coins and trying to like make an investment so she can create a, an economic fund to help this town. And that felt new to me. That felt like something cool and new. And I like that. And, and it's partially the burning wheel system and it's partially me and Sean bouncing off everything on each other. It's partially the dice giving us unexpected results uh, that we didn't see coming. It's all of that. It's all of these things just snowballing until we have something new. And I think that's what I want us to keep an eye out for. I want to keep an eye out for the moments in your game that are well within genre and are very comfortable and cool. And, and those moments within genre can feel very original. It doesn't, originality isn't, you don't have to move beyond genre. I'm not saying like this is the evolution of gaming. I'm saying this is a, something that gaming can do that I think is really unique. And I think we need to watch out for it. You know, where does, where and why does this happen? When does your game go from being inspired by Fafford and the Grey Mouser to going way beyond Fafford and the Grey Mouser, right? To, to just taking that next step and saying, you know, I love Fafford and the Grey Mouser, and now we have moved beyond it, way beyond it. Now Fafford and the Grey Mouser are, are, are gods themselves and are, are dealing with, you know, thieves and warriors and rogues below them. And I'm just riffing here because I just, I, I've given an example of why it, uh, of, of things moving beyond. Because it happened last night, right? We had this weird game where, you know, the game was entirely made up of, of this character uh, seeking out investments and trying to read and trying to lift something really heavy. And trying to summon something, sometimes failing, sometimes succeeding, but really interesting and, and, and not what I'm used to. And I like that. I like starting in familiar territory and just moving beyond it, not just to make something new. You know, there was nothing conscious about what we were doing. It was just the, the logical next step of where things were. And it wasn't because we were saying we, we started the game. We we're like, we are going to, you know, make a new type of wizard story because we didn't. 
There was so there were there was so much tropey stuff in there. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. But there were moments that we we weaved in and out of of of, of genre expectations and trope expectations. And I love that about gaming. I love that gaming can do that. Uh, I, I see similar things in the Trophy Gold game where, where some of it just feels like good old-fashioned you know, D&D-style delving. And then every once in a while, we just go into this weird place that, that is beyond that. And I love those moments. And that's what I'm asking uh, in this segment in this table technique is for us to keep an eye out for those moments. You know, how far is too far out? When people, when you get to, when you get out of genre expectations, do, are people comfortable? Cause it's just within the game, it, you know, the game's logic or do people suddenly get uncomfortable? Keep an eye out. Tell me what's going on at your table. I'd love to hear about it. When is your game, you know, going in and out or beyond or, you know, well within, uh, you know, expectations for the genre. Because, yeah, it's just a cool thing. And I think, I think it's something unique. And it, it, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still playing with the, all the elements that make it happen. And it's not just dice. Because I think when I first stated this, I said, you know, we, we start within genre tropes and then dice force us to do things we don't want to do. But it's not necessarily di- just dice because I, I'm sure it happens in diceless play, too. I think it happens when you get a bunch of people creating together and there's this bouncing effect and building effect where where you're looking what what the other person did and building on it, asking questions and building on it. Right. And. Yeah, it's not just the dice. There's a lot of chaos going on there. Uh, and, and it's the system, and it's the things the system makes you think about, and the way you interact with them. It's all of it. It's the whole enchilada. So, anyway, let me know what's going on at your table. How is your table you know, uh, dealing in tropes and genre and, and, and expectations with that, that are inspired by your media? And how are they moving way beyond them? And how does that make you feel? What do you think? Cool. Inspiration Goat? Is it time? Yes. What do you got for me, Inspiration Goat? IG? Perfect. Perfect Inspiration Goat. That's a good one. So I am on the couch. It is 5.30 in the morning. I woke up and, and... couldn't get back to sleep and as I sat on the couch pupper cat my my father's cat who uh, has been my adopted cat for four years our adopted cat the family cat for four years has crawled onto my chest and is alternating between sitting up and purring and laying down and snoring so you might get some added cat content free of charge Totally free. Not, not, I'm not charging you for your extra cat content. If, if it comes. So just letting you know. Okay. Inspiration Goat. Good stuff. So I've got two TV shows that I want to talk about. Lower Decks, which is the Star Trek animated show. 
which is uh, humorous. I would say it's a humorous show. I definitely laughed out loud every show. And what we do in the shadows, not so much the movie, although the movie was great. I love the movie. Uh, but I'm talking about the TV show. I feel like for two reasons. These are the two shows that have made me laugh this year so hard. Uh, I mean, every episode makes me laugh so much that I... I don't know, I, I can't help but hold these two shows close to me. Uh, I, this is a year that needs us laughs. So there's that. But I feel like there's a difference between them. And I'm going to try to pry out that difference and think about how, to, how that would affect me at the table. So here it goes. Lower Decks is goofing around using Star Trek tropes and Star Trek, not only tropes, forget tropes, but, but also tropes, but Star Trek plot elements, Star Trek characters, Star Trek aliens. Um, it's, it's a non-serious, it's a humorous story that also has serious parts, very serious parts. Uh, and what we do in the shadows takes the genre of vampires and is definitely modern vampires and is definitely parodying it. And I feel like, and I love both shows unequivocally, I feel like Lower Decks has a love for Star Trek buried in it. And what we do in the shadows doesn't make fun of people for liking vampire stuff, but it doesn't have the deep love of vampire stories embedded in it. Uh, it and And... The only way, and I don't know why I think that, and I could be wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a textual bit of evidence, a, a scene, the way something is written, and, and I can't quite come to it. The only thing, oh, poor Pupper is, has repositioned herself so, so that I'm not talking into her ear. I'm sorry, Pup. Very sorry. The only thing I could think of is that if I was playing a Star Trek game, um, I wouldn't want to kind of exercise lower decks from my mind. Whereas if I was playing a vampire game, I would not be able to watch what we do in the shadows. Uh, it, I, I'd be really nervous about turning someone's modern, horror, political undead, goth, sexy times vampire game into a, into a goof fest. If I, if I watch what we do in the shadows, anywhere near playing a vampire game. And I, I feel like there's a difference. Uh, Lower Decks is having some fun with Star Trek or in the Star Trek universe. 
And what we do in the shadows is is parody is 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 parody is, par is a parody, and I don't. I I love to have a scene where I say, "Hey, look, this is the scene that illustrates that," um, and I can't. I can't think of that damn scene, which makes for bad podcasting. <laughs> uh, but let's. That's not, not necessarily the, the goal of the show. The goal of the show is to think about what can we do to bring, what can we look at these shows at, and, and what can we bring to the table? So let's, I, I, I think you could run, I think you could straight up run a, a Vampire the Masquerade game with with what we do in the shadows as the inspiration, meaning that, so what we do in the shadows, the, the premise is that they're all vampires, uh, except for Guillermo, who's there, uh, who's, who's, who's Nandor's familiar, and they have a film crew following them, so it's kind of like The Office, right? Which is cool, because they get to like look at the camera and kind of break the fourth wall, and we get to have confessionals. And I think you could totally run what we do, uh, what we do in the shadows with masquerade. The only thing is, is I would want to look at inspectors. If you haven't played inspectors, it's amazing. Uh, I would want to look at inspectors and kind of take their confessional, uh, something about the confessional booth and the confessional camera, uh, from that game and and drop it into this game. Um, and just run a goofy game, just run something humorous. Um, I think it might be easier to run what we do in the shadows with inspectors now that I'm thinking about it and and just keep the the confessional thing from inspectors right right intact hmm anyway this with this has me thinking about tone in your game and and particularly in horror how precarious the tone is uh, if if you don't if you if if the if the whole group isn't dedicated to keeping that horror tone uh it'll go away you know it's really got to be a group agreement to be vulnerable enough to be scared um and sometimes a reaction to fear is laughter and 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 that's legit too so it's a funky thing. I, I don't play horror often. I feel like Trophy Gold, which is a Thursday night game, has a bit of horror elements in it. We're definitely playing, you know, dungeon delving fantasy, but there, the, the fantasy has a, a horror veneer over it. And there are moments where things get so strange that we have to laugh so horrific and strange that the players have to laugh and and that's okay i think that's cool uh but i don't know if it would be cool in a in a straight up modern gothic horror game hmm something to think about something to think about so let's think about Lower Decks in relation to that, okay? Lower Decks is set in the Star Trek universe and has very serious elements to the story, uh, but 
there are many more funny moments. And it also tends to focus on on characters who who don't have the the status that we usually see in a in a Star Trek series, right? Um, I mean, even Discovery, which isn't necessarily just the captain, uh, it's very often centered on the captain, and and it's 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 higher ranking folks uh, for the most part, give or take. And and I feel like it's it's. I don't know. There's a love for the genre buried in there. There's just a love of Star Trek, an unabashed love. It's it's goofing, and it's it's having fun, and it's laughing, but it's not making fun of you for liking it. And you know, you know that another thing that is kind of like that is Galaxy Quest. Uh, I wasn't planning on bringing another piece of media in. But Galaxy Quest does that too. Galaxy Quest is is amazingly funny and yet is celebrating the genre that it is it is kind of making fun of. Hmm. And and could that be good gaming? You know, could you say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be goofing on this, but I love it. And, and I don't want to make fun of it. I just want to find the funny moments in it. And I think you could. I don't know. Humor in games is a funny thing. Uh, I think like horror, right? Humor brings with it a lot of pressure uh, to invoke a response, right? The same type of thing. Uh, with horror, there's a lot of pressure, usually put on the GM, to invoke a response of fear with the players. And with humor, suddenly, suddenly there's, there's this pressure everywhere, right? If you tell people, we're playing a humor game, uh, it just puts a lot of pressure on everybody to be funny. And very often, funny turns into goofy gonzo. And that's not necessarily the funniest. Sometimes the funniest is just being the straight person. And just taking shit seriously. Sometimes that's the funniest thing. And yeah, man, Lower Decks and Galaxy Quest, you know, having fun and laughing, but taking that genre seriously and loving it. That's a lot of gaming. Uh, that, 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 That might be where a lot of my gaming, some of my gaming leads. Because um, I definitely find that even in serious games, uh, even in you know my most serious of Burning Wheel games, uh, and, and you can watch it with me and you know me and Sean or you know in our in our uh, Burning Wheel games, uh, we're laughing a lot and we're and 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 chat is goofing, but but there's a serious thing happening, and. I'm trying to figure out the line right because I see a lot of memes. Uh, online about, you know, you, you start off thinking that you're playing Fellowship, but you end up playing Monty Python. And man, that vexes me. You know, I don't want... I don't... 
I, I like jokes to happen in game. I don't like the characters to be jokes. Hmm. Right? I like when you play a halfling and 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 ludicrous things happen, right? Uh, in our old halfling game, there were saints. They, they didn't worship gods. Uh, they worshiped these many, many saints. And one of the saints was to the, the saint of pie and prophecy. And so they would lovingly and very ritualistically cut pie to kind of get a vibe for the future and, and, and read the pie like someone might read entrails or tarot cards. And that was a lot of fun, as goofy as it was. But, like, we didn't have any halflings in our game named, like, Dildo Baggins, right? That would have been too much. So I like when jokes happen in game. And I like when funny things happen in game. But I don't like when characters are jokes. That's my line. Anyway, I, 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 I'm reaching for a lot. I'm not sure I actually reached anything in talking about Lower Decks and what we do in the shadows, and then peripherally Galaxy Quest. But if these things, if this, these media inspire anything about your gaming or inform anything about your gaming, uh, let me know. And let me know, I think we've also touched on humor and horror and invoking emotion and laughing at the table, cracking jokes at the table. Let me know how it works at your game. Let me know what is good and what is a faux pas at your table in general. I'd love to hear from you. Cool. Let's get to the outro. Thank you so much for listening for Today Dreaming About Dragons. If you would like to support the show, there are a number of ways to do it. Uh, if you can offer some time, one of the ways to do that is to leave a review. Leave a five-star review. Could you do that? Is it worth, uh, worth those five stars? And let people know what they're going to get into when they hit play on a Daydreaming About Dragons episode and what you liked about it, what you got out of it. That'd be wonderful. So wonderful. iTunes, uh, whatever uh, podcast catcher you're using to, and, and if, you know, if it takes reviews, not all of them do. That would be great. Uh, you can reply to the show. You know, let me know what's going on at your table. You can email me, judd.karlman at gmail.com. That'd be cool. I would love that. You can tweet at me, uh, at inspirationgoat, all one word, and, and let me know what you thought of the show. That would be keen as heck. Love to hear from you. And, and let me know, again, answer any questions address something, ask me to dig deeper into something, let me know that you think I'm wrong about something or that I missed something vital. Always, you know, always love hearing that. I've had dear friends let me know that I'm way off on something and love it. Can't, can't get enough of it. Just drop it with love and respect and it will be responded in kind. So, Please do. You can also send me an MP3. If you don't want to just record it and email it to me, you can also send me an MP3 via the Anchor app. So that's another option. Uh, you can... If monetary support is something you're interested in, uh, you can... There are a bunch of ways to do it. 
uh, pick one that works for you. You can, you know, drop a buck to the show every month. Uh, some folks are doing that, and it is really helpful. I use that money to, right now, I use that money as, as it is uh, to support Patreons uh, so that I can help other creative people get their creative stuff out there and get supported doing it. Uh, there are two charities I've got links to right now that are important to me, uh, the uh, Black Lives Matter Global Network and the Black Trans COVID-19 Response Grant. Uh, and you could pick, you, you could perp, you can pick up a, a, a dictionary of Moo, uh, which is my my sword and sorcery, you know, uh, game supplement, uh, setting supplement. It's pretty cool. It's for the sorcerer RPG, but I, uh, people have played it with all kinds of games, and I would love to hear about your your thoughts on it. Pick away anyway, whatever works for you, uh, and and I. If nothing else, if the only way you can support is by hitting play, I want to let you know that I, I, I adore that and I am honored to have spent some time with you in your ears here. It's been wonderful. And I will, if I don't see you next week, I'll see you the week after that. And I'll see you soon. Hang in there. I hope your gaming is going well. And I hope your media is inspiring all that gaming and I would love to hear about how those things are happening with you. So looking forward to hearing from you somewhere, somehow, somewhen. Talk to you soon.